0: Act One of *The Way of the World* by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act One, Scene One. A Chocolate House. Mirabell and Fainall rising from cards. Betty waiting. You are a fortunate man, Mr.
1: Fainall. Have we done? What you please. I'll play on to entertain you. No i'll give you your revenge another time when you are not so indifferent you are thinking of something else now and play too negligently the coldness of a losing gamester lessens the pleasure of the winner i'd no more play with a man that slighted his ill fortune than i'd make love to a woman who undervalued the loss of her reputation you have a taste extremely delicate
2: and are for refining on your pleasures prithee why so reserved something has put
1: you out of humour not at all i happened to be grave to-day and you were gay that's all confess melimont and you quarrelled last night after i left you my fair cousin has some humours that would tempt the patience of a stoic what some coxcomb came in and was well received by her while you were by whitwood and petulant and what was worse her aunt your wife's mother
2: my evil genius or to sum up all in her own name my old lady
1: wishfort came in ah there it is then she has a lasting passion for you and with reason what then my wife was there yes and mrs marwood and three or
2: four more whom i never saw before seeing me they all put on their grave faces whispered one another then complained aloud of the vapours and after fell into a profound silence they had a mind to be rid of you for which reason i resolved not to stir at last the good old lady broke through her painful taciturnity with an invective against long visits i would not have understood her but Millamant joining in the argument i rose and with a constrained smile told her i thought nothing was so easy as to know when a visit began to be troublesome she reddened and i withdrew without expecting her reply you were to blame twasent what she spoke only in compliance with her aunt she is more mistress of herself than to be under the necessity of such a resignation
1: what though half her fortune depends upon her marrying with my lady's approbation i was then in such a humour that i should have been better pleased if she had been less discreet now i remember i wonder not they were weary of you last night was one of their cabal nights they have them three times a week and meet by turns at one another's apartments where they come together like the coroner's inquest to sit upon the murdered reputations of the weak you and i are excluded and it was once opposed that all the male sex should be accepted but somebody moved that to avoid scandal there might be one man of the community upon which motion whitwood and petulant were enrolled members and who may have been the foundress of this sect
2: my lady wishfort i warrant who publishes her detestation of mankind and full of the vigour of fifty-five declares for a friend and ratafia and let posterity shift
1: for itself she'll breed no more the discovery of your sham addresses to her to conceal your love to her niece has provoked this separation had you dissembled better things might have continued in the state of nature i did as much as man could with any
2: reasonable conscience i proceeded to the very last act of flattery with her and was guilty of a song in her commendation nay i got a friend to put her into a lampoon and compliment her with the imputation of an affair with a young fellow which i carried so far that i told her the malicious town took notice that she was grown fat of a sudden and when she lay in of a dropsy persuaded her she was reported to be in labour the devil's if an old woman is to be flattered further unless a man should endeavour downright personally to debauch her and that my virtue forbade me but for the discovery
1: of this and more i am indebted to your friend or your wife's friend mrs marwood what should provoke her to be your enemy unless she has made you advances which you have slighted women do not easily forgive omissions of that nature she was always civil to
2: me till of late i confess i am not one of those coxcombs who are apt to interpret a woman's good manners to her prejudice and think that she who does not refuse him everything
1: can refuse em nothing you are a gallant man mirabel and though you may have cruelty enough not to satisfy a lady's longings you have too much generosity not to be tender of her honour yet you speak with an indifference which seems to be affected and confesses you are conscious of a negligence you pursue the argument with a
2: distrust that seems to be unaffected, and confesses you are conscious of a concern for which the
1: lady is more indebted to you than is your wife. Fie, fie, friend, if you grow censorious I must leave you. I look upon the gangsters in the next room. Who are they? Petulant and Whitwood. Bring me some chocolate. Betty, what says your clock?
2: Turned of the last canonical hour, sir how personally the jade answers me ha almost one o'clock looking
0: on his watch oh yah! come scene two mirabel and footman
2: well is the grand affair over you have been something tedious sir there's such coupling at pancras that they stand behind one another as twere in a country dance ours was the last couple to lead up and no hopes appearing of dispatch besides the parson growing hoarse we were afraid his lungs would have failed before it came to our turn so we drove round to duke's place and there they were riveted in a trice so so you are sure they are married married and bedded sir i am witness have you the certificate here it is sir has the tailor brought waitwell's clothes home and the new liveries yes sir that's well do you go home again dear here and adjourn the consummation till father order bid waitwell shake his ears and dame partlet rustle up her feathers and meet me at one o'clock by rosamond's pond that i may see her before she returns to her lady and as you tender your ears be
0: secret scene three mirabel fainall betty joy of your success mirabel you look pleased I,
2: I have been engaged in a matter of some sort of mirth, which is not yet ripe for discovery. I am glad this is not a cabal night. I wonder, Fainall, that you, who are married
1: and of consequence, should be discreet. Will suffer your wife to be of such a party? Faith, I am not jealous. Besides, most who are engaged are women and relations, and for the men, they are of a kind too contemptible to give scandal. I am of
2: another opinion. The greater the coxcomb, always the more the scandal for a woman who is not a fool can have but one reason for associating with a man who is one are
1: you jealous as often as you see wit entertained by milliment of her
2: understanding i am if not of her person you do her wrong for to give her her due she has wit she has beauty enough to make any man think so and complaisance
1: enough not to contradict him who shall tell her so for a passionate lover may think you are a man somewhat too discerning in the failings of your mistress and for a discerning man somewhat too passionate a lover for i like her with
2: all her faults nay like her for her faults her follies are so natural or so artful that they become her and those affectations which in another woman would be odious serve but to make her more agreeable i'll tell thee fainel she once used me with that insolence that in revenge i took her to pieces sifted her and separated her failings I studied them and got them by rote. The catalogue was so large that I was not without hopes, one day or other, to hate her heartily, to which end I so used myself to think of them that at length, contrary to my design and expectation, they gave me every hour less and less disturbance, till in a few days it became habitual to me to remember them without being displeased. They are now grown as familiar to me as my own frailties, and in all probability in a little time longer I shall like them as well.'
1: Marry her, marry her, be half as well acquainted with her charms as you are with her defects, and my life on't you are your own man again. say you so?
0: ay I, I, I have
1: experience. I have a wife, and so forth.
0: Scene four to them, messenger is one Squire Whitwood here?
2: Yes, what's your business?
0: I have a letter for him from his brother, so wilful, which I am charged to deliver into his own hands.
2: He's in the next room, friend. That way.
0: SCENE five. Mirabil, Fainall, Betty. What? Is the chief of that noble family
2: in town Sir Wilful Whitwood? He is expected to-day. Do you know him? I have seen him. He promises to be an extraordinary person. I think you have the honour to be related to him.
1: Yes, he is half-brother to this Whitwood by a former wife, who was sister to my lady Wishfort, my wife's mother. If you marry Millamant, you must call cousins, too. I had rather be his relation than his acquaintance. He comes to town in order to equip himself for travel. For travel? Why, the man that I mean is above forty. No matter for that, tis for the honour of England that all Europe should know. We have blockheads of all ages. I wonder that there is not
2: an act of Parliament to save the credit of the nation and prohibit the exportation of fools.
1: By no means, tis better as tis. "'Tis better to trade with a little loss than to be quite eaten up with being overstocked. "'Pray, are the follies of this knight-errant and those of the squire, his brother, anything related?' "'Not at all. Whitwood grows by the night like a medlar grafted on a crab. "'One will melt in your mouth, and other set your teeth on edge. "'One is all pulp, and the other all core.' "'So one will be rotten before he be ripe, and the other will be rotten without ever being ripe at all.' so wilful is an odd mixture of bashfulness and obstinacy but when he's drunk he's as loving as the monster in the tempest and much after the same manner to give the other his view he has something of good nature and does not always want wit not always
2: but as often as his memory fails him and his commonplace of comparisons he is a fool with a good memory and some few scraps of other folks wit he is one whose conversation can never be approved yet it is now and then to be endured he has indeed one good quality. He is not exceptious. For he so passionately affects the reputation of understanding raillery that he will construe an affront into a jest and call downright
1: rudeness and ill language satire and fire. If you have a mind to finish his picture, you have an opportunity to do it at full length. Behold the original.
0: Scene six. To them, Whitwood.
3: Afford me your compassion, my dears. Pity me fain all. Mirabel, pity me, I do from my soul. Why? What's the matter? No letters for me, Betty.
2: Did not a messenger bring you one? But now, sir,
3: ay, but no other. No, sir. That's hard. That's very hard. A messenger, a mule, a beast of burden. He has brought me a letter from the fool, my brother, as heavy as a panegyric in a funeral sermon, or a copy of commendatory verses from one poet to another. And what's worse, tis as sure a forerunner of the author as an epistle dedicatory.
2: A fool, and your brother, Whitwood?
3: Aye, aye, my half-brother, my half-brother he is, no nearer upon honour. Then tis possible he may be but half a fool. Good, good, Mirabel, Ledro. Good, good, hang him, don't let's talk of him. Fainall, how does your lady? God, I say, anything in the world to get this fellow out of my head? i beg pardon that i should ask a man of pleasure and the town a question at once so foreign and domestic but i talk like an old maid at a marriage i don't know what i say but she's the best woman in the world
1: tis well you don't know what you say or else your commendation would go near to make me either vain or jealous
3: no man in town lives well with a wife but vain or your judgment mirabel
2: you had better step and ask his wife if you would be credibly informed
3: Mirabel, ay my dear i ask ten thousand pardons gad i have forgot what i was going to say to you
2: i thank you heartily heartily
3: no but prithee excuse me my memory is such a memory
2: have a care of such apologies whitwood for i never knew a fool but he affected to complain either of the spleen or his memory what have you done with petulant
3: he's reckoning his money my money it was I have no luck to-day,
1: you may allow him to win a you at play, for you are sure to be too hard for him at repartee since you monopolize the wit that is between you. The fortune must be his, of course.
2: I don't find that petulant confesses the superiority of wit to be your talent. Whitwood
3: come, come, you are malicious now, and would breed debates. petulance, my friend, and a very honest fellow, and a very pretty fellow, and has a smattering faith and troth a pretty deal of an odd sort of a small wit nay i'll do him justice i'm his friend i won't wrong him and if he had any judgment in the world he would not be altogether contemptible come come don't detract from the merits of my friend
1: you don't take your friend to be over nicely bred no
3: no hang him the rogue has no manners at all that i must own no more breeding than a bum bailey that i grant you tis pity the fellow has fire and life what courage hum faith i don't know as to that i can't say as to that yes faith in a controversy he'll contradict anybody
2: though twere a man whom he feared or a woman whom he loved
3: well well he does not always think before he speaks we have all our failings you are too hard upon him you are faith let me excuse him I can defend most of his faults, except one or two one he has that's the truth on it. If he were my brother, I could not acquit him. that indeed, I could wish were otherwise.
2: ay marry, what's that, Whitwood?
3: Oh, pardon me, expose the infirmities of my friend. no, my dear, excuse me there, what
1: I warrant he's unsincere, or to some such trifle? no,
3: no, what if he be tis no matter for that his wit will excuse that a wit should no more be sincere than a woman constant one argues a decay of parts as t'other of beauty.
2: Maybe you think him too positive.
3: No, no, his being positive is an incentive to argument and keeps up conversation
1: too illiterate
3: that that's his happiness. his want of learning gives him the more opportunities to show his natural parts.
2: He wants words.
3: Aye, but I like him for that now, for his want of words gives me the pleasure very often to explain his meaning.
1: He's impudent.
3: No, that's not it. Vain. No.
2: What? He speaks unseasonable truths sometimes, because he has not wit enough to invent an invasion?
3: Truths? (laughs) <laughs> no no since you will have it i mean he never speaks truth at all that's all he will lie like a chambermaid or a woman of quality's porter now that is a fault
0: scene seven to them coachman
1: is master petulant here mistress mistress yes three gentlewomen in a coach would speak with him oh brave petulant three i'll tell him you must bring two dishes of chocolate and a glass of cinnamon water.
0: Scene eight. Mirabel, Fainall, Whitwood.
3: That should be for two fasting strumpets and the board troubled with wind. Now you may know what the three are. You are very
2: free with your friend's acquaintance.
3: Ay, ay. Friendship without freedom is as dull as love without enjoyment or wine without toasting. But to tell you a secret these are trolls whom he allows coach hire and something more by the week to call on him once a day at public places how you shall see he won't go to em because there's no more company here to take notice of him why this is nothing to what he used to do before he found out this way i have known him call for himself
1: call for himself what dost thou mean mean
3: why he would slip you out of this chocolate house just when you had been talking to him as soon as your back was turned whip he was gone then trip to his lodging clap on a hood and a scarf and a mask slap into a hackney-coach and drive hither to the door again in a trice where he would send in for himself that i mean call for himself wait for himself nay and what's more not finding himself sometimes leave a letter for himself
2: i confess this is something extraordinary i believe he waits for himself now he is so long a-coming oh
0: i ask his pardon scene nine petulant mirabell fainall whitwood betty
4: sir the coach stays well well i come Bud a man had as good be a professed midwife as a professed whoremaster at this rate to be knocked up and raised at all hours and in all places (sighs) Pox on em i won't come d'ye hear tell em i won't come let em snivel and cry their hearts out
1: you are very cruel petulant
4: Holes one, let it pass. I have a humour to be cruel.
2: I hope they are not persons of condition that you use at this
4: rate. Condition, condition's a dried fig. If I am not in humour, by this hand, if they were your ba, ah, what decolums the themselves? They must wait or rub off. If I want appetite,
3: what do what are they whitwood empresses my dear by your what do you call thems, he means sultana queens ay broxolanahs cry you mercy
1: whitwood says they are
4: what does he say they are ay fine ladies i say pass on whitwood Harky! by this light his relations two co heiresses his cousins and an old aunt who loves caterwauling better than a conventicle
3: (laughs) i had a mind to see how the rogue would come off (laughs) gad i can't be angry with him if he had said they were my mother and my sisters no no the rogue's wit and readiness of invention charm me dear petulant
2: they are gone sir
4: in great anger enough let em trundle anger helps complexion saves paint this countenance is all
1: dissembled this is in order to have something to brag of the next time he makes court to milliment he has abandoned the whole sex for her sake have you not left
2: off your impudent pretensions there yet i shall cut your throat some time or other petulant about that business
4: ay i let that pass there are other throats to be cut.
2: Meaning mine, sir?
4: Not I. I mean nobody. I know nothing. But there are uncles and nephews in the world, and they may be rivals. What then? All's one for that. How? Harky, petulant, come hither, explain, or I shall call your interpreter explain i know nothing why you have an uncle have you not lately come to town and lodges by me lady wishfort's true why that's enough you and he are not friends and if he should marry and have a child you may be disinherited (laughs) where hast thou stumbled upon all this truth all's one for that why then say I knew something?
2: Come, thou art an honest fellow, petulant, and shalt make love to my mistress. Thou shalt, faith. What hast thou heard of my uncle?
4: Ay, nothing. Ay, if throats are to be cut, let swords clash. Snugs the word. I shrug and am silent. O oh, raillery, raillery! Come, I know thou
2: art in the women's secrets what you're a cabalist i know you stayed at Millermans last night after i went was there any mention made of my uncle or me tell me if thou hast but good nature equal to thy wit petulant tony whitwood who is now thy competitor in fame would show as dim by thee as a dead whiting's eye by a pearl of orient he would no more be seen by thee than mercury's by the sun come i'm sure thou wilt tell me
4: if i do will you grant me common sense then for the future
2: faith i'll do what i can for thee and i'll pray that heaven may grant it thee
1: in the meantime well harky petulant and you both will find mirabel as warm a rival as a lover sure sure
3: that she laughs at petulant is plain and for my part but that it is almost a fashion to admire her i should harky to tell you a secret but let it go no further between friends i shall never break my heart for her how she's handsome but she's sort of an uncertain
1: woman i thought you had died for her
3: um no
1: she has wit
3: tis what she will hardly allow anybody else No, then i should hate that if she were as handsome as cleopatra mirabel is not so sure of her as he thinks for
1: why do you think so
3: we stayed pretty late there last night and heard something of an uncle to mirabel who is lately come to town and is between him and the best part of his estate Mirabel and here at some distance as my lady wishforage has been told and you know she hates Mirabel worse than a quaker hates a parrot or than a fishmonger hates a hard frost whether this uncle has seen mrs milliment or not i cannot say but there were items of such a treaty being in embryo and if he should come to life poor Mirabel would be in some sort unfortunately fobbed if
1: Tis impossible an should hearken to it
3: faith my dear i can't tell she's a woman and the kind of a humorist
2: and this is the sum of what you could collect last
4: night the quintessence maybe whitwood knows more he stayed longer besides they never mind him they say anything before him i thought you had been the greatest favorite i tete a tete, but not in public because i make remarks you do ay by pox i'm malicious man now he's soft you know they are not in awe of him the fellow's well-bred he's what you call a uh, what you call him, a fine gentleman but he's silly withal
2: i thank you i know as much as my curiosity requires fainall are you for them all ay i'll take a turn before dinner
3: ay we'll all walk in the park the ladies talked of being there i
2: thought you were obliged to watch for your brother sir wilful's arrival
3: no no he comes to his aunt's my lady wished for it Pox on him i shall be troubled with him
4: too what shall i do with the fool Beg him for his estate, that I may beg you afterwards, and so have but one trouble with you both. Oh rare petulant, thou art as quick as fire
3: in a frosty morning. Thou shalt to the mall with us, and we'll be very severe.
4: Enough I'm in a humour to be severe
2: Are you? Pray, then walk by yourself let not us be accessory to your putting the ladies out of countenance with your senseless ribaldry, which you roar out aloud as often as they pass by you and when you have made a handsome woman blush then you think you have been
4: severe what what then let em either show their innocence by not understanding what they hear or else show their discretion by not hearing what they would not be thought to understand
2: but hast not thou then sense enough to know that thou ought'st to be most ashamed thyself when thou hast put another out of countenance
4: not i by this hand i always take blushing either for a sign of guilt or ill-breeding
2: i confess you ought to think so you are in the right that you may plead the error of your judgment in defence of your practice where modesty's ill manners tis but fit that impudence and malice pass
0: for wit End of Act One of The Way of the World by William Congreve